Alright, we're going five, four, three, two, one. What's going on guys? Your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prep Igina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. What's up, Dre? What's up, Prep? How'd you deal with the very busy MMA weekend? I just tried to be my best to see everything, but hey, um, what a crazy weekend it was. Yeah, guess what? This week is even worse. <laughs> let's get into a few pieces of news. I want your opinions on a few things. Uh, let's start off uh, Combate America, um, a promotion that we talk a very little about. Uh, one of their big stories was their announcement of Alberto formerly known as Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron, versus Tito Ortiz. They announced this fight, I don't know, six months back, I believe we talked about it. It finally has a date, December 7th, in Hidalgo, Texas. So, uh, Combate America, obviously, um, looking for that primary, you know, Latin audience. So, they're they're going to try to hit that market out there. Here's the thing, though. I don't know if you saw the promo, the ridiculous promo of them two in a ring holding their respective titles from back in the day. Tito Ortiz, the UFC belt, Alberto Del Rio, the WWE belt. Apparently, this fight is winner take all. Andre, as someone who has followed MMA for the majority of his life, does that bother you? (laughs) Yes. That that does it's very stupid. I think that a lot of times these guys try to put on these big fights and they try to put something on the line because it makes it more appealing to the fans and the audience. But I don't think there are gonna be many like fans because nobody really wants to see Tito Ortiz and Alberto Del Rio fight and honestly like the belts don't mean anything anyways. Like, I don't know. It's just silly. I think people are just trying to get a quick buck, and they're trying to be a part of something that they don't really understand. And don't get me wrong, like, I respect Oscar De La Hoya as, you know, like, uh, and those guys who are working with Combate Americas, like, I respect those guys for what they've done for combat sports in general. You know, obviously, like, Golden Boy and stuff like that, but this is stupid. Like, just stay away from the market of MMA because there's clear powers that are in this, that are controlling this, you know, one sport. And you can't really stop them. Like, obviously, we have the surge of one and, you know, PFL, but the UFC is always going to be the best. Bellator is always going to be second best. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I just don't like it. I think that if they're trying to control, you know, Latin America and South America in itself, like, to be that big thing in MMA, like, it's just not going to work because the UFC kind of already planted their roots, you know, with the whole Ultimate Fighter thing. Yeah, so with with Combate, um, more promotions usually for the better, right? Um, a lot of these promotions are tar- targeting different <coughs> markets and... Um, like Bellator is more for the laps fan. UFC is just like uh, overall like they're the worldwide leader when it comes to you um 
to MMA. Yeah. And then you have like the Asian market with one. And then Combate America is trying to take over that like Hispanic market that, you know, ever since like you did bring up the Ultimate Fighter, but ever since like they haven't been running as often, yeah. maybe UFC is kind of losing that market, you know, and they're, I mean, they'll run like Central America like every so often, but yeah. they never really send like big fights. Like the last one, Jeremy Stevens versus Yair Rodriguez, like we like them, we're interested in them, but like they're not like stars. Yeah, and the, and the last real notable like card that they had in Mexico was when Kane fought Fabricio over Doom, mm-hmm. and even then, like that was a monumental fight. But with you know Kane's performance, it was it kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. It's just, like, the way I see an MMA promotion going is you have to have quality fighters. And you also have to have a promotion that's willing to kind of go all out for their fighters, you know. Like, one thing that I do like is during every event um, for the UFC, when you watch the Embedded, there's a week left pretty much. Everybody's in their hotels already in their respective area where they're going to fight, what city, whatever. And, you know, they're getting ready. They're cutting the last bit of weight that they have to cut. And, you know, the UFC's, like, top-notch, like, nutrition people are there. They have food there for them. They have certain drinks for them that they need to drink. They're watching their blood levels. They're, you know, watching their hydration levels. They're checking everything. And if you want to target a certain market in a certain area, you have to be willing to do that as well. Because nobody's going... Like, look, if I was a fighter fighting in a very small market, it's it's going to take me longer to get to where I want to go because there's not that many eyes on me. So if you're going to make a big promotion, like, those things count. But the biggest thing is, like you said, marketing. You have to sell not just the fights, but you have to sell yourself as a powerhouse promotion, a promotion that's there to stay. So when you have guys who are like the best in Spain and guys that are the best in Uruguay, guys that are the best in Bolivia and all those places and Peru, like they're going to they're going to see you as the 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 ticket to the UFC or you're going to be the UFC in that area. Like in Asia, nobody cares really about going to the UFC now. Because they can just go to one because they're going to get paid more. They're going to get taken care of. And they don't have to cut weight because their weight class has moved up. So why would I want to fight in the UFC if I grew up in Thailand and wanted to switch over to MMA? When I'm going to make more money and, and, you know, be treated better and have other opportunities, you know, to become like a legend, basically. Like Bibiano Fernandez or Ung Lung Sung. Those guys are legends in MMA. And if you want to create a stamp in the sport, then you have to do the be willing to do the same thing. I mean, there hasn't been huge promotions like that. Like, only really one that I can really think in South America and Latin America, there's Jungle Fight. And that's it. They had a lot of, a couple of notable names that came out and went to the UFC, but maybe they can have a bigger promotion. Who knows? Yeah, so when you talk about big promotion, let's talk about maybe the biggest promotion in the world. Uh, Not MMA-related, but very similar. Pro wrestling. The WWE. So this week, 
there were so many combat sports crossovers when it comes to re- pro wrestling and MMA. Yeah. So, one, I want to hear all your takes on them, and I want you to rate who did the best, okay? So, we had Tyson Fury first show up Friday night on SmackDown to debut, and then this past Monday show up once again to confront Braun Strowman. Um, Friday night SmackDown, again, Kane Velasquez. He shows up, confronts Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar cowers to him. And then last Wednesday on the debut episode of AEW, at the end, Bellator Zone, Jake Hager, jumps in the ring. Huge ovation for this guy. I don't know why he was never good, but listen, whatever floats their boat. So one... I know the answer is probably no, that you didn't see these, but I know you read the headlines. I so, did see them, yeah. Okay, so I was going <laughs> to say, judging, all right, what? who did the best? I have to say, okay, when I think of pro wrestling, like I think of your bits where you are, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's one they have to talk. Promos. Promos. I think of promos, personalities, and I think of marketability. And when I look at all three of those guys, the only one that I see that I feel could be a really solid, not just competitor, but a solid like face, it has to be Tyson Fury. I think that with his size and stature, to go up and say, to like, like to try and challenge Braun Strowman, like, that's a big deal. But he kind of sold it, like the suit and everything. I don't know. I like it. I think he did the best out of all of them. Okay. But Kane, you know, he's former, you know, two-time heavyweight champ. Of course, people are going to be like, yeah. How big of a deal was it to have Kane back on Fox where he won the title, right? Yeah. Well, he he lost he, lo- the- he lost the title, but he was the first title fight on Fox. Yeah. And then to get back, I mean, it's a big deal, and I think I think that was kind of the play that they took. So, I like the idea of him being there. I think he could make a name for himself. I mean, I don't really see him as a big powerhouse guy. I see him more like a—he's kind of like another Roman Reigns, very soft-spoken, but will get the job done when he needs to. And if he just puts a little muscle mass on, you know, he might be. A big star in the WWE world, so we'll see what happens. I'll watch for yeah. sure. And then I, we got Jake Hager. I don't. I don't care about. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's really not fair to lump him in with people like Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion, Kane, former two time champion. You know, still could probably contend at this point in the game. Um, barring injuries but you know he he is a fighter for bellator it's it's only fair to at least bring it up you know you also have people like bobby lashley former bellator fighter around you know as recently as i I believe last year we had um what's the guy from att um dan 
what's his name? The uh, the coach, the Dan or the Lambert. owner, Dan Lambert. He was in Impact, like, and he he got voted for like non wrestling personality of the year when it came to like someone who was in wrestling that doesn't really. Yeah, he was an Impact. Yeah, he was an Impact with Kobe Covington, and you know, so. Are you serious? Yes. Here's my problem, okay? If I had to rate these, I'm going to say Jake Hager had the best ovation. Um, Tyson Fury had the most focus, and Cain Velasquez felt like the biggest star confronting Brock Lesnar. Um, Here's my problem, though. Tyson Fury, next to Braun Strowman, looks like if you ate, 4,000 calories for the next 30 days and decided I wanted to walk around with my shirt off. Um, Cain Velasquez is just like a dad bod. And next to Brock Lesnar, who's gassed to the gills, you know, it's it's kind of hard to sell those things. If, if pro wrestling is mostly aesthetic at this point in the game, these guys are losing. Yeah. Uh, Jake Hager looks like a million bucks, but he sucks. Yeah. So we'll see how everybody else perceives them. Um, as of now, today is Wednesday. We're recording this. As of now, Friday, the WWE is having a press conference with Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury. The rumor is that they're going to na- announce matches for them to have in Saudi Arabia later this year. So um, that's something that I don't support. I don't support the WWE's. Um, decision to go to Saudi Arabia so I don't watch those events Um, I will not be watching Andy Ruiz versus Anthony Joshua 2 if it was in Saudi Arabia I believe that they changed it and it's not going to be yeah I think so too but if it is I'm not going to watch it just because like the corruption over there they're killing people like this is stuff that you can't just toss under the rug for a paycheck yeah, and I I don't support it. You know, I'm not a guy who's too into like politics, but um, if you're killing people and like you're just turning a blind eye for a dollar, I'm not down with that. I agree. Yeah, so we will see, and we'll talk about it next week. What the WWE's decision is. Uh, AEW is tonight. I'll be watching this. Af- I'll be watching it after I record. And uh, we'll see what Jake Hager does. He has a fight on the 25th, so I don't see him wrestling a match anytime soon. Um, Not that it's going to make a difference. He's going to fight some bum and probably choke him out in the first round because he is a uh, collegiate wrestler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get into some fight announcements. Um, That was interesting, though. Like, Like, so much goes into like people complaining about pro wrestling and look at the stars like Cain Velasquez and Tyson Fury two of the best decided hey I want to try this out and then they're on like the big stage so I don't want to hear it like everybody's roots are in pro wrestling boxing you know mixed martial arts all have roots in pro wrestling so you cannot complain about it anymore it's 2019 it's true. I mean, one of the first mixed martial arts matches that anybody ever seen was Muhammad Ali versus um God, I forget oh, his Antonio Noki. There you go. Don't ever watch that. It's 
awful. It was awful. Just a bunch of leg kicks and yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Let's get into some fight announcements. <laughs> um, nothing too crazy this week. All right, so we had uh, Charles Oliveira versus Jared Flash Gordon. Um, a grappling matchup. Remember, we are trying to covering, cover the grappling scene. Uh, Nick Rodriguez versus Fabricio Verdum. Crazy. Crazy. I cannot wait. We, uh, I believe we might have a chance to see Nick Rodriguez here in a couple weeks. Or next week. Next weekend. So, I will update the fans on that. Uh, Brendan Moreno stepping in for Sergio Pettis, who is a free agent versus Kai Car fronts. Yeah. Um, and then some notable names. Alima Lay McFarlane, she got announced for another Hawaii card later this year. Uh, Pat Sabatini and Philly's own Chris Zeta. She is a fighter out of Martinez MMA, um, and she fights for Combate America. So they both had fight announcements. Uh, we had some Bellator this week, Andre, this past weekend. I don't know how much you saw. All I saw was um, a bit of the Andre Korishkov versus Lorenz Larkin fight. Wow, what a war. <laughs> Lorenz Larkin ended up taking it, but they both knocked each other senseless at one point. Lorenz Larkin just did more work and ended up taking it. Yeah. Um, Let's get into the nitty-gritty, though. Okay. We had a little card that drew about 57,000 fans in Melbourne, Australia. UFC 243 at Marvel Stadium. Robert the w- Reaper Whitaker versus Israel the Last Style Better Bender Adesanya. Let's start from the bottom. Of the main card, Sergey Spivak just gives Tai Tuivasa the business. I don't know how much of this you got to see because I know that your your stream was like kind of. I saw the whole thing. Oh, yeah. dude, he took him down like six times before choking him out. He beat the mess out of Tai yeah. Tuivasa. Do you think that he can contend, or is he another skyscraper? No, no, I think he can contend. I think that. I don't know what it is, man. It's like it's like the UFC almost knows it too. It's like they almost expect up and comers to lose their first fight because they don't know what it's like to fight like in the octagon yet. And I noticed that. It's like even Dana said it. He's like, Yeah, you know, the our rule is if you lose two, you're out. If you win one and you lose one, you know, we might sign you based off your performance. But I think to put Sergey Spivak against freaking Walt Harris like I don't think anybody expected that outcome but you know now he's back and he fought a very tough guy so I think he can contend I just think that they have to be smart because if you look at the top 10 in the heavyweight division let's face it it's a lot of guys who are kind of done so he's going to end up fighting most of them and then get to the bigger names so I don't know I think we'll see when he has to fight somebody serious like a younger heavyweight who's actually a contender so you know let's see what happens yeah and then we had uh dan hooker just massacre ally quinta for three rounds styles make fights man that was a bad matchup for al i saw that coming a mile away all right let's talk about dan hooker because 
I I think I gave him a thirty twenty six. Mm-hmm. I think he just killed Al. After the fight, he had a call out. He calls out Dustin Poirier. Now, I think you agree that was the right move. Yeah. That fight makes sense. Yep. Okay. With that being said, what's up with Dustin Poirier, man? He's chasing money fights. He got the fight of his life, and he lost, and now he just wants to make money. That's all it is. Um, There's really no other explanation because it's obvious. You're calling out to fight Conor because you know that there's money, and it's a big fight, right? And then the other thing is that you're upset that you lost because you worked so hard to get there. And now you got this bitter taste in your mouth. But because you made the ticket to the big show, now you think that you're just at that level where you don't need to answer to anyone's call-outs. Or if you do, you tell them, like, listen, I'm waiting for a fight with this guy or this guy. And as much as I love Dustin Poirier, like, you need to fight. If you want to get back up there, a rematch isn't just waiting for you. Sorry, but you got your ass whooped, like, viciously. And I was rooting for Dustin, but he got destroyed in that fight. So, yeah, he needs to fight Dan Hooker. Forget about Connor. Nobody cares about Connor. The only one who cares about Connor is Frankie Edgar right now. And, you know, whatever. You want that big money chaser fight? Go for it. But, yeah, don't hold up the division because you think you've earned the right to fight Connor. Because Connor doesn't want to fight anybody unless he's making at least $50 million. So that's really all this is about. But if he doesn't fight um, Dustin Poirier, you saw what happened on Twitter yesterday, right? With Daniel Cormier? No, I missed it. Okay, so this is perfect that you brought this up. Daniel Cormier brought up the idea of Dan Hooker, instead of fighting Dustin Poirier, he thought it would be a good idea for Dustin, I mean, for Dan to fight Islam Makachev. But that doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And that's what Dan said. So he ended up bringing up the guy who had fought in da- in uh, in Russia or in Abu Dhabi, the Shamil guy, the ru- the heavyweight dude. And he said, so are you going to fight that guy then? Because he's, he's not even ranked. Mm-hmm. And Dan was like, look, I'm just saying, like, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. Islam's winning. You know, you're winning. And Dan didn't respond, obviously. Why would he? But Islam decides to respond. And he says, leave him alone, Daniel. He's not up for a challenge. He's a coward. He'll never be a champion. Obviously, Dan, why would he even bother responding? But guess who did respond? I did. What would you say? I said that, to put it simply... He'll never be a champion because he's a half-assed version of, of Khabib, Khabib, and he's a loser. And once he hits top five, he's going to get knocked out again because he got knocked out by a nobody when he was coming up because he's got no chin. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And, and you know what's even better? I know exactly who he's going to get knocked the hell out by. He's going to get his ass knocked out viciously by Edson Barbosa. Watch. He's going to win maybe a, a fight or two more, and then he'll face Edson, and Edson's going to put his ass to sleep, and I'm going to laugh. 
So, and I'm gonna tag him in the video of me laughing. So let's let's go over the lightweight rankings since you brought it up. We'll go over the top ten really quickly. At number ten, down two spots, Kevin Lee. Number nine, Edson Barbosa. Number eight, down two spots, Ali Akinta. Number seven, Dan Hooker, up eight spots. Number six, up one spot, Paul Felder. Number five, Donald Cerrone. Four, Justin Gaethje. Three, Conor McGregor. Two, Dustin Poirier. Number one, Tony Ferguson. And the champion, Habib Nurmagomedov. Now, for me, all right, Dustin, you say you don't want to fight Dan Hooker. I'm all, okay, cool. You know who will fight Dan Hooker? Donald Cerrone. That's the fight to make. Just do it. In January, they're supposed to be in um, New Zealand, I believe. Yeah, in even, Auckland. even. Um, but here's the thing: the only problem I would have with that is the fact that Dustin said, "Like, oh, why don't you go fight Cowboy?" Like, if that's like a slight, like, "Oh, go fight Cowboy." I didn't like that. Yeah, and it, it was kind of rude because he's kind of taking a small jab at Donald, and Donald's like, "What?" So I'm supposed to just fight every up and comer? It's like, dude, like he's in top five. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he lost to, to Justin, but at this point, anybody would lose to Justin. He's on a freaking tear. But you know what? I mean, it, it's just crazy. I, I don't really understand how people think it's okay to just say things. Like, I'm sorry, but that that's why social media is so poisonous. Because if I was a fighter and somebody said something like that, like what Islam said to Dan... Like, I would have told Islam literally, like, I will buy your ticket to come to Auckland so I can knock your stupid ass out. Like, don't ever disrespect me like that again. Like, I'm not fighting you because you're a loser. Like, your last fight, you fought a grappler, and you couldn't even knock him out. So, I don't even want to hear it, you know? Like, Islam's a bum. And, you know, at the end of the day, Dan's going to get a big fight eventually because... He just took out the number six guy in the world. Al is as tough as, as anybody comes. And whether he ends up fighting, like like you said, maybe Donald or even Paul, regardless, the fights are going to be incredible. Dan Hooker is a monster. And what's even better is we actually got to see how good his jiu-jitsu was. Mm-hmm. So he's not just a kickboxer. He's far more dangerous. So... I'm excited for Dan's career, and I do see him getting a title shot eventually. Yeah, so before we talk about the main event, I want to do something new. Just because this was such a massive card, I want to ask you, we're going to call this Andre's Awards. Andre, if I had to ask you, fight of the night, who do you pick? Damn. Uh, That's kind of tough. I don't know. Because I don't really remember all the fights, but I don't know. I think it was pretty easy. Like, I believe you asked me, like, it was right as the first city kickboxing fight was going on. And, like, that fight was just bananas. Brad Riddell versus Jamie Malarkey. Thank you. Just runs away with it. That's true. Yeah, there there was no better fight than that other than the (laughs) co-main and the main. Yeah, so performance of the night, who did you pick? Israel. Okay underdog of the night like someone who just like flew under the radar dan hooker for sure and then future champion it's got to be dan hooker yeah i see that that dude is a problem dude i'm not gonna lie to you like 
it's obvious that he he ran into a tough guy in Edson, but there's not a lot of dudes who could have took that much punishment. That's why that's why that's how you know Paul Felder's top five, because that dude took shots that Dan couldn't take, and Dan is a warrior. But right now, if I had to put my money on a rematch between the two, I got Dan against Edson. You know, beating him all the way. Uh, I I have. I have high hopes for Dan Hooker, and um, there's a lot of matchups that we can say would be bad for Khabib, but I think Dan would be a bad matchup for Khabib. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that Paul Felder does not run it back with Edson, no. and he just continues to progress forward. But here's the thing: he's in like a sticky spot now. Yeah. Like, what does he do? That everybody and nobody wants to fight him. Yeah. The, I mean, like, will Donald fight him? Yeah. You I know. mean, but they're they're friends. They're homies, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, Donald's going to do what Donald has to do. He's done it before. We saw that in the last fight. You know, yeah. he, he fought uh, Justin Gaethje. He fought Yancey Medeiros, who they they had a wh- maybe too much respect for each other. But look back then. He did it the first time against Melvin Gillard, mm-hmm. and they were training partners like every single day, but they had the fight. But But you know, at the end of the day, like you have to do what you have to do as a fighter. And I know that Paul, he's not going to choose a friendship over, you know, providing for his family and making money. But, you know, this is a sticky, and it's funny that you said that because this is a sticky spot. Because where Paul Felder is right now, there's very few options for him. Right now, he has maybe two fights that he could do. If Justin is not willing to wait for the title fight, then he can fight Justin or he can fight Donald. Now, that's really the only fight. Connor's not coming out of retirement. So when you really look at what's going to happen, you just know that Paul might be on the sidelines for a while if he doesn't fight Gaethje or if he doesn't fight Donald. I mean, this is it's it's a weird spot for the lightweight division because we had a brief moment, well not a brief moment, a long ass time where the belt was just kind of stagnant. It was just up in the air. And all these guys that have been fighting have 100% earned their right to to get a title shot. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's crazy now is it's almost like everybody just kind of has to wait. Because at night you just keep having one guy fight each other, one guy fight each other. You know, if you look back, Donald had just fought Tony Ferguson. Just fought him. So, what do we do? Because at this point, let's just say, in a perfect world, Paul Felder does beat Justin Gaethje. And then he gets the next shot. What happens after that? It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's a a rough situation. I mean, we already see, you know, Justin Gaethje also just, like, turning down the fight, saying it's a excuse my French bitch move to call him and Dustin out just because he lost, but he's, he's already on a tear. Yeah. Like ever since losing to Edson, he's already won. How many fights he's, he's on a two fight win streak, two dominating victories. Like, like he knocked out James Vick and he just went 30, 26 with ally, with ally Quinta, the guy who went five rounds with, 
with Khabib on one day on like I think five or six hours notice. So insane. So I mean, all these guys. This is just a like this division's all jacked up. We'll see what happens. I'm extremely excited to see what happens. But let's talk about the main event. Andre, I want you to break down from the beginning to the end what you thought because here we go. Starting from the beginning, we had the walkout. Now, you as a fan of anime, did you enjoy this? That was the greatest walkout of all time. Nobody will ever top that. I don't care what they do. That was the first walkout of its kind, and it was so worth it. And then going from like his walkout to like seeing the way Robert walked out. That was scary. So you you took it like like Izzy kind of shrugged that off. He said he was trying to put on a front. He was trying to be confident when he's actually scared. And of course, that's his opponent, so he's going to put him down. Yeah. Like he's going to say, "Oh, he wasn't really feeling it." But like I saw fire in Robert's eyes. Like he was extremely motivated. Yeah, no, this wasn't a matter of, okay, Rob, you could clearly see that he trained really hard for this fight, and in the open workouts, he was fast, he was agile, great head movement, Uh, like, he did everything right for this fight, came in on weight exactly at 185, I mean, he looked good, even in the fight, he looked good, he was fast, really, really agile, light on his feet, doing the right things. But there's levels to this, and that's that's the, just the difference with Israel. You can have so many types of things in your skill set. The skill sets, you can have so many like strikes in your arsenal. But Israel has all of it. Everything that you could look into a perfect striker to be, that's what Israel is. The boxing. The kickboxing, the Muay Thai, the Taekwondo, the Karate. He has all of those things literally paired into one. One ghastly monster. The man at his weight class is massive. 6'4", 80-inch reach, which means he can hit anybody from anywhere. And then he decides that he will abandon fighting on the outside. He fought on the inside with Rob. And beat him to the punch every time. Do you know how skilled you have to be to fight in the pocket with longer arms and hurt a guy like Rob, who's only been knocked out once in his career? Yeah. If you go and you watch the highlights to, and the slowed down, like, you know, highlights of the fight when they were like firing off at each other, you could see to Rob's one punch, Izzy was throwing two. And and one swing, too, because he wasn't, like, he'll cock out one and then, like, not even fully bring back his arm before he's already hitting him two more times. Like, that was ridiculous. And what was even more ridiculous is, like, people will say they were lucky shots. How? If you look back at a slow-mo. Precise. Not just precise, but look at where Izzy's eyes are. Yeah, he's doing this. He's moving all the way back, getting out of the shots. But while he's doing that, let's say Rob's right there, he's doing this. He's looking at him completely. That's how he was able to pick his shots. That first time he dropped them, he did that on purpose. That wasn't an accident. He was looking right where Rob's jaw was. That's why that hook came out, and it looked awkward. 
But he had so much momentum in his hips that when he swung that thing, Rob was out cold. The only thing that woke him up was the ref getting in the middle and his head bouncing off the canvas. And then he was like, I'm okay. But come on, man. Like, I mean, his eyes rolled back. Oh, yeah. You could see it. Like When he got hit in the jaw, you saw his eyes roll back and his legs just kind of straightened out. But I think that the shot was hard. But like I said, like he didn't take a vicious spill on the ground. Like He didn't just straight up drop and his body just shut down completely. Like He was hurt. But the way he recovered just showed how tough he is. Yeah. But this, like I said, this wasn't a matter of Rob not coming in prepared. Like, it's just, and it's not even that he got caught. It was just that he went in there with one idea, and Israel had already, like, had multiple options to negate that and counteract his strategy. You know, he wanted to get on the inside and land big hooks and overhand rights and big left hooks and all that stuff. That was obvious. And Israel was like, okay, when he does that, I'm going to do this. And the beauty of it is that nobody saw that, like in the embedded or the countdown. Like, nobody saw him working on that because you shouldn't show that. But I could tell that he was ready for him. And you know what? I mean, I don't think there's ever going to be anybody that can truly stand with him. Like, yeah, everybody's talking about how he'll get it, he'll get destroyed by John Jones. But you know what? Um. When you see how he dismantled Robert Whitaker, you think about any other middleweight and you just know that nobody's beating him. It doesn't matter what kind of skills they have. You put him in there with anybody and he's going to destroy them. So at this point, it's just a matter of how many times is he going to defend the belt before he moves up. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, Robert Whitaker gets knocked out twice in one fight. Yeah, and his game plan was clearly to to you know reach over, try to touch Izzy's chin, and it just it just didn't work out the way he wanted to. No, it's it, and it's not that it's a bad. It's just that Izzy's just so much better. Yeah, than everybody. Like if if you think you're prepared, wait to get into the cage with this guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I think it was Henzo Gracie who said it. Like everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the face that wasn't him that, that was Mike Tyson yeah. Mike Tyson there you go and but it that, that's you know so true because at the end of the day like Izzy had a game plan he knew what Rob was gonna do but at the same time if you look at how he was fighting Rob that was all instinct he just takes that training and the strategic like side that Eugene Beam and like Baseman gave him, and he just puts it into his subconscious, and it becomes a part of his style. So now he knows, like, all right, this is what this guy's good at. I just have to watch out for it. Mm-hmm. But he's working what he likes. He's not trying to throw punches and adjust his style based off of what the other guy can do because that doesn't work. You have to be who you are in in, in, in any fight. If you're good with an overhand right, just find a way to throw it. Just find a way to land it, and that's it. Don't try to change your game plan because it changes how you fight. Once you change how you fight, you're not the same guy, and that's where dudes fail. You know, like you saw it in the Jose Aldo fight. Jose Aldo never comes out gun swinging like that. He likes to wait. He he patiently waits to see what his opponents are going to do, and then he starts quick jab, you know, 
kicks to the body, leg kicks, and then once he sees openings, that's when he goes for it. But what he do against Connor? He let his emotions get the best of him, and he got countered. Mm-hmm. And it was the same thing with Rob. After a while, Rob was just running at Israel. You think Israel's not going to see that coming? Even when he was touching him on the chin, like, Rob was already pretty much gassed in that second round. You could see it. Like, he was breathing a little hard to the point where he had to open his mouth sometimes. And that's because it takes a lot out of you having to rush at somebody. So the reality was if he wanted to beat Israel, the key to the fight was body punches and leg kicks. That's really the only way you can beat taller guys. You have to break them down from the bottom up. Because if not, you're just giving them all the advantage. So overall... That was a masterful performance, and um, I'm super excited to see the fight between him and Costa. Yeah, so we so we know that the next fight for Israel is probably Paulo Costa. Um, what would you like to see next for Robert Whitaker? You know, uh, ten rounds with Yoav Romero. We talk about it all the time. He just he just fought Israel Adesanya, takes the L in the second round. What's next for Robert Whitaker? Jared Cannonier? Yeah, yeah, because um. He ain't going to fight Yoel again. Why would you? That was hell. He went through twice, you know? But, um, yeah, that, that's the only fight I see that makes sense. It's either that or, I don't know, maybe Chris Weidman if he comes back down to, two, like, 185 if he loses at 205. Yeah, we'll see next week. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. And, damn, that's crazy. It's Yo, that card's coming up, the Boston card. Yeah, we got a, we got a, a good run coming up. Yeah, I mean, Sean Brady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, there goes UFC 243. Fantastic card. Way better than it needed to be. And honestly, the Israel Adesanya was enough for me to, you know, if I had to, spend the $60. All right, let's talk about some smaller events happening this weekend before we get into the UFC and one. We, uh, Bellator does have a card. Uh, Melvin Manhoof is on it. I believe that's the main event. And then uh, we do have the PFL playoffs this week on Friday in Las Vegas. Uh, Kayla Harrison is on that card as well as Sarah Kaufman. So those are the two most notable names in that tournament. So let's hope that they get those victories and continue to move forward. Let's talk about one century. You reminded me of this earlier this weekend and uh pretty much everybody that won could push that people are gonna know is on this card so um i'm just gonna talk about some notable names and then we'll get to the main fight that everybody wants to see especially you and me um yushin okami's on this card shinya aoki christian lee angela lee demetrius johnson and then the main event for us Unlung Sung versus Brendan Vera. Andre, we have the double champ, Unlung Sung versus the heavyweight champ, Brendan Vera. How do you see this fight breaking down at light heavyweight? It's a tough fight. You know, obviously for Unlung Sung, there's a lot of the, there's a huge size advantage for Brandon. And um, he's just going to have to go in there and, I don't know. <laughs> it's a tough fight, man, but honestly, he's just going to have to go in there and pick his shots. He's going to have to, you know, kind of make Brennan Vera come at him a little bit and counter. But other than that, I can't even pick a fighter. All I know is that this is one of the biggest fights in MMA history, and it's 
it's going to be amazing. I know this fight's going to go five rounds. Yeah, so this is a, it's a two-card, like, in the same day event. Um, I believe one card, I'm not sure which one, but one of them is coming on TNT at 11 o'clock, right after the UFC on ESPN. Yeah. So that, um, or on ESPN Plus, I'm sorry. So that should be exciting. I can watch it on my TV without having to hook anything up. Yeah. So that should be good. Um, UFC Fight Night in Tampa. Michelle Waterson versus Joanna Young Jacek. I don't know if you saw the news, but Joanna did let them know that she will not be able to make the weight. So we're kind of sitting here right now on Wednesday and waiting to see if they move to like a catch weight so that they could still have this fight or I'm not sure what's going to happen. What the so right now like on Twitter and Instagram, you know, kind of the big scoop that's being kind of passed around in the MMA community is that Angela Hill stepping in in the main event to fight Michelle Waterson. I really don't like that idea though. I don't that is uh that's terrible for that card and it's also terrible for, terrible for Angela. She's going to get her ass whooped viciously. Yeah, we saw her get knocked out before. We uh-huh. saw her knock people out too, but yeah, but I mean like that's nah, that's a different level. Like she's not there yet. Michelle Waterson is a monster and you're talking about five rounds. Like that's just not smart for Angela. I know it's What's even worse is, like, don't take the fight because they're also not going to pay you more. You're going to get the same wage that you were getting just fighting on that card. So there's no point. They did this to Anthony Pettis when he tried to fight Khabib. Like, they told him, you're not getting any more money. So at the end of the day, it's like, just stay away from the fight. If anything, the smarter thing is, like you said, make it a catch weight. Make it 120. At least Joanna comes in a little hydrated and just let it be, you know. It's not a big deal. Joanna's never had issues with her weight. She's always made weight. The problem is this is her coming back down to straw weight after yeah. fighting. At 125. At 125. Which I think is also kind of silly, be, you know, like, especially now. Because I, I had that idea in my mind. I'm like, uh, let's see if she makes weight. Because when she made 125, she looked real comfortable. And in there, when she was in there, she looked real fluid, still fast, still very light on her feet. And, you know, it was just like George Masvidal was talking about it. Like, eventually your body starts to just kind of, like, develop its like itself. And you start to fill out, you know. So you have to compensate for that. So sometimes you have to go up and wait. It might be harder because you might be smaller. But for your health, it's much better. So I feel that she probably should have just left 115 kind of just, you know, away in the past because she did everything she had to do. She defended the belt, like, what, five, six times? Yeah, we all see why she wanted to come back down. I mean, her her number, the yeah. person who has her number is out of the picture. Yeah. So that gives her a chance to sneak right back in. And this was really her fight to win. Like, if if you were going into this fight, it's to win this fight and get your title shot. And that's the thing. Like, was it a smart play? Yeah. Because she's going to get a shot at somebody that she feels she can beat. And then she gets that title shot probably immediately, you know. And, um, yeah, she's right back in the mix. But, you know, my thing is, like, 
at the same time, you still have Rose kind of waiting in the looms to see what the, she's going to do. And you have Tatiana Suarez getting ready. You know, like, there, there's a couple people. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. It, it's, it's a crazy situation. Yeah, so before we get into the co-main event, some notable names. J.J. Aldrich, uh, this beast from Tuesday Night Contender Series, M- Miguel Baez, uh, Marlon Vera, Ryan Spann, uh, Nico Price versus James Vick. This is James Vick finally moving up. Um, everybody's saying that this has Fight of the Night written all over it. Eric Anders coming back. Uh, Violent Bob Ross, Luis Pena. And um, you won't understand this, but Pash, I know you're listening. This person is on your short list. Mackenzie Dern. Look her up. You'll understand why. She is coming back after four months postpartum. She just had a baby four months ago. Her last fight was in May of last year. She got pregnant. She's had the baby now for four months, still breastfeeding, cutting weight, and fighting. This lady is going to be a superstar, dude. She said it on Ariel Hawani's show this weekend that when she announced that she got married, she lost 20,000 followers. And then when she had the baby, she gained 25,000 followers. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, so Mackenzie Dern, I am so excited to see her. She is a phenom in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, she's one of the – beat Gabby Garcia. Dude. No, but there's a lot of people who who really will never be able to say something like that. Sorry. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like this woman is really that good. And you know what? When she adds all those tools, she's going to be a problem. She is going to be a serious problem. I cannot wait. This this is a card like two moms. That's a lot for a card. So (laughs) I'll just say that this is a card full of moms. Yeah, I mean, this is a, what I would call a f- like a family-friendly like type of card. Yeah, hopefully that main event stays together and the UFC does the right thing. Let's talk about the co-main event because for me, you know, Cub Swanson being a veteran, Crone Gracie having that Gracie name, I wouldn't be opposed to putting them in the main event just to keep the card together yeah. and then moving Angela Hill or yeah, Angela Hill versus Michelle Waterson just under that. I don't think that that's big of a deal uh because he is a Gracie and Cub Swanson always comes to fight. Yeah. I mean, that's also a really good idea. So that that's that's a smart decision there. However this card plays, the reality is you just don't want to screw Michelle Waterson over. Yeah. That that's really all it is. But I, I'm I'm sure they'll do the right thing, and and I'll tell you about this co-main event. Like, I feel bad because they keep feeding Cub to these young monsters, but you know what? Um, you can't stop this train. Crown Gracie is that dude, and um, I just can't wait to see like him fight against uh, what's his name? Uh, damn, his name eludes me. Oh my God, Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall. Thank I got you. you, buddy. Dan, see. Yo, my memory is so bad. Anyways, I got you, big dog. That's a big fight right there. You know, like, there's really no telling, like, how that fight goes. But, you know, we just first have to see Kron get through Cub first. But I think he will. So, I will be watching this fight night because there's a lot of good fighters on this. Yeah, it's, it's a stacked, it's a low-key stacked card. 
So um, my buddy Brock Weaver from Tuesday Night Contender Series fell off the card due to injury. Mike Davis is taking his place against Thomas Gifford. Um, before we do go, I want to tell you the rest of the month leading into November. Oh, yeah. So we have this card in Tampa. Then next week we have UFC on ESPN 6. This is actually on Friday. Uh, Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman's on that card. Yair Rodriguez, Jeremy Stevens, Greg Hardy, Joe Lozon, Macy Barber, Deron Wynn. Oh, my God. This card is stacked. Um Sean Brady, is, Sean Brady on is on this card. Yeah, it's just not <laughs> in the Google search, unfortunately. Yeah, Eric Spice. Damn, this card. Molly McCann, this card is low-key stacked. Yeah. Uh, then the week after that, we have Damian Maya versus Ben Askren. Um, Michael Johnson's on that card. Wait. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, like, fish names. I mean, Ashley Yoder, she looked good in her last fight. She's on that card, too. And then the Mecca, November 2nd, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, Kelvin Gaslam, Darren Till, Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker, Stephen Thompson, Vicente Luque, Derek Lewis, Blagoy, Ivanov, Andre Orlovsky, Gregory Gillespie, Kevin Lee, Shane Burgos is on that as well. Caitlin Chikagan versus Jennifer Maya. Dude, that card is stacked. Oh, Hakeem Dawadu, he looked fantastic in his last fight. He's the first fighter that night. Incredible. November 2nd cannot come soon enough. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. This has been your boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me on all forms of social media at Elroy Prepson, one word. You can find the show on Instagram at YBEMMA podcast. We did have some technical difficulties. I hope that this all worked out. But Andre, please tell them about yourself. Everyone, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as FlowStayDre, all lowercase. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, five star ratings and reviews. If it's your birthday, Happy birthday. Enjoy all the fights this weekend, and we'll catch you next week.